Let's Eat with host Zane Kaplinski on News Talk 1010. Good morning, fellow eaters. This is Zane Kaplinski. This is the show, Let's Eat, every Saturday morning, 11 a.m. here on News Talk 1010. And, uh, you know, when, when I first started doing this show, and it's been almost two years, can't believe it's been two years. Uh, Mike Ben Dixon said to me, "You know, tell people who you are and and show them what the life of somebody who owns restaurants is like." And and that's kind of the premise of the show. It's where I eat, what I eat, who I eat with, what I do, how the business grows, uh, the catering business, the food truck business. Um, we've talked about our mustards. We've talked to other restaurants as well. And I, I know that people sometimes have a fascination about possibly getting into the restaurant business and that they explore franchising as, as a, uh, an avenue to do that. And when we, in our growth plans, looked at how we wanted to see ourselves growing, we examined opening corporate restaurants where I own the restaurants myself and then I hire managers to run them, or the franchise route. And so along with our, our partners at Jackman Reinvention, and that's for another day, and that, will, that conversation is coming up, uh, we devised a system of being able to grow our business through franchises, and we opened in Yorkville in, uh, in May, our first in-city franchise, doing very, very well. And it's what we call a fast casual setting, which is a different style of, of restaurant. And so the idea is that, that um, uh, I want to try and introduce listeners to what it might take to open your own franchise, whether I'm not, this isn't a naked commercial for Kaplansky's Deli franchises. Uh, I wish it were, but, but uh, I brought in some guests to talk about the nuts and bolts of franchising. And for me, the franchising journey really really started back in 2013, 2014. And one of the first things that happened to me was I got a call from Chad Finkelstein in the middle of a restaurant service. And uh, I'd never been cold called by a lawyer before. And this lawyer says he's never, ever cold called somebody before. It was like one of those special moments you might see in, in uh, you know, a Hollywood movie where, where two guys call each other on the phone and, and it's a, it's a match. So, so Chad started talking about franchising and, and uh, had I thought about it and he'd seen the Dragon's Den show and, and franchising food trucks and we started to have that conversation. And then I got the call from the airport and the people at the airport wanted to open Kaplansky's franchises there and working with HMS Host uh, has been a wonderful experience for me because it sort of fast-tracked the franchise process because I could do it with them as a partner. And then having been successful at the airport, now the question is, how do we do it? One of the things that Chad suggested that I do is join the CFA and the Canadian Franchise Association, and, and I've done that. And one of the other things that, that has been suggested is to do trade shows. So I did my first trade show a couple weeks ago at the Franchise Expo, and then I decided as a result of that show to put together this panel. So I've got Avi Bahar from the Bahar Group on my left, and Avi is my real estate guy. He's the guy that when we're looking for new locations that we have somebody to trade show who wants to to open in Mississauga or in Vaughan. I don't know those areas very well. I call Avi, and Avi puts his people and his, his thinking to it. I've got Chad Finkelstein across from me, the guy who started it all four or five years ago by having a conversation with me about franchising and really kind of opening up my eyes to what that would be about all about. And Gary Prenovo, who is on the board of directors of the CFA, but you're also the president of FranNet Ontario, which is a consultant that helps people open franchises, but 
is also a franchisee yourself of FranNet. That's correct. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And welcome, Avi. You haven't been here before, but but uh, but Chad is a, a second time. Second time? Second time. Second time, yes. Yeah. So, Avi, welcome. Thank you very much. And I think we might need to get a little bit closer to the microphone. So, so Gary, let's start with you. I mean, you're a franchisee and somebody who helps franchisees and somebody who sits on the board of the CFA. So talk about what, what um, uh, maybe even start with the Royal Bank poll that came out the other day about the kind of demand that people have in the public for being their own boss and possibly buying a franchise. Yeah, um, we, we've seen, Royal Bank poll just came out uh, on Monday and it said 92% of Canadians want to have their own business, which I've seen numbers in previous years, 60, 65%, uh, 90% is crazy. And, and what it's talking about is some of the risks that it's less risky now, people are believing in self-employment than it is in corporate employment. Uh, and the franchising is a way to de-risk, uh, not eliminate risk, but mitigate risk through proven systems and processes. I've always been told that, that new restaurants are, are highly, um, uh, the attrition rate, the, the failure rate is very high. That, that the average 80% of restaurants don't make it to their second year. But I've always been told that those, those numbers are flipped. I don't know if you know whether if you have those statistics at all, but in a franchise scenario, those numbers get flipped where... 20% of franchise restaurants don't succeed, and so it's a much lower risk uh, uh, way to go. The the numbers are soft because there's no designation for franchising in Canada, so a lot of the numbers are U.S. Uh, reliance. It's not so much restaurants only, it's franchising in general. Uh, 80% compared to 20 to 50% of uh, uh, success in independence. So there is some backup for the idea that yes. it is a less risky uh, approach for people to take. And so when people are trying to s decide, you know, what kind of franchise should they buy, do you help them through that process as well? Uh, absolutely. What, well, a lot of people, they come uh, to the internet and they're looking or the, uh, the trade shows, I'll know it when I see it. And the trouble is that they're coming with a certain range of perceptions and they're looking for that magic, that magic connection. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen a lot because the companies who show up are the ones who are investing in marketing, but there's, there's 1200 concepts in Canada and there's a hundred and something at the show. Mm. So it's more about if people look at what are the skills that I bring to the table, what am I passionate about, what am I good at, what am I not good at, where are my transferable skills applicable so I can run a good business. I think one of the big myths in franchising, if I, if I buy a big brand, I'll automatically be successful. And I think that's, that's a, 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 a big mistake because the, the, the franchise companies that have got big brands, they've got good systems, they've got good processes, they've built success over the years, but it gets the customer in the door once or twice. If the franchisee is not giving a good experience, that customer is not going to come back. So it's all about execution of the system. So if you're just joining us, that's Gary Prenovo from FranNet Ontario, and he's explaining to people how uh, operations are really key to the franchise system. What I've always been told is that, that uh, I mean, franchising is a three-legged stool. It's brand, it's operator and operations, and it's location. So, you know, they, they say the three most important things, you've always heard this phrase, the three most important things in the restaurant business, location, location, location. And uh, you're the location guy. So what are some of the things that, how do you work with franchisees and franchisors to get them, like, there's A malls and B malls and C malls and better landlords and less good landlords and good fits and not good fits. How do you work with people from the, from the real estate perspective? Well, that's a great question, Zane. And uh, I mean... There's so much involved in that uh, that whole 
uh, concept of evaluating locations. And the old adage of location, location, location certainly applies not only to restaurants and franchises, but to all businesses that have bricks and mortar physical locations. Um, so every concept is different and uh, every location is different and there's different traffic patterns, different flow. Um, so do you and, use like traffic data, census data? Like, is it a research-based approach or, or how do you, I mean, I, I should, I, I should sound less disingenuous from the standpoint that I've been through this process with you. So we called you in while we were developing our franchise concept at Jackman and sort of included you in a lot of the early thinking around, uh, where we wanted to go and how we wanted to get there. Is that typically what you do with clients? And then, and then you look at their, at their, you know, key demographics and, and the communities that they want to be in and you find them spots, you have those relationships with landlords or does it come from the franchisee that says, no, I want to be in, you know, Halton Hills or I want to be in Hamilton and, and you have to find places in that, in that town. Ultimately, one really needs to understand what's driving sales for that business. So if it's an established business that's going to be franchising uh, and they've had success uh, based on certain demographic criteria, based on certain traffic patterns, then we need to understand that. And then we'll use demographics, but we'll also use uh, a strong knowledge base of various communities, whether it's across Canada or beyond, to be able to put that together and ultimately segment markets and find the right, uh, the right location. Traffic patterns are very unique and every type of business is driven by different traffic patterns and different flows. Some uh, work well in suburban neighborhoods. Some concepts work well with competitive businesses and, nearby. And also knowing what the future looks like. So where a city or a town is growing and going, where construction is going to happen, having that kind of intelligence to be able to act as an advisor as well as just somebody who's going to look for great real estate. Absolutely. Understanding city building, community building, where densities are coming up and not just looking at uh, the location today, but what's that location going to be like in three, five or 10 years down the road? Because you're going to be there for a long time. And when I talk to franchisees, you know, there's a lot of great areas of the city that you might want to build in. But if it's not convenient for you to get to, if you're driving, you know, an hour and 45 minutes to get to your location, you're wasting a lot of highway time. So certain concepts are driven by uh, convenience. They need to be convenient in order to be su successful. The prime example is convenience stores. Um, other concepts are more destination driven. And it doesn't have to be as convenient uh, because they're driving people there, but they might have better parking requirements or other types of requirements. Another example, uh, if you take the coffee shop business, uh, they need to be on the AM or the morning side of the street. If they go to the PM side of the street, sales... Now you're talking about lighting on the street, like where the sun shines and so on, or what's AM, PM on the sides of the street? How's no, in terms, of, uh, in terms of traffic flow, so oh, whether it's pedestrian or vehicular. I see. So in the city of Toronto, for example, coffee shops uh, would prefer to be on the west side of north-south streets because uh, typically the, the greater traffic flow is heading downtown in the morning, and that's where they're going to want to pull into the coffee shop, grab their cup of coffee, and then continue. Cool. This is awesome, and a great start to the show. So we're talking about franchising today, what it takes to find a location, the kind of expertise that Avi Bahar was just giving us as far as where to find locations for, for your kind of restaurant. We're going to come back and include Chad Finkelstein in the conversation. You're, uh, you're here with Zanka Plansky. I've also got Gary Prenovo from FranNet. Let's see! Seat with Zane Kaplansky, In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. 
And welcome back. It's Let's Eat. I'm Zane Kaplansky. This is Saturday morning every day on uh, every week on, on News Talk 1010. Let's Eat is my show. And uh, today we're talking all about franchising and the franchising journey that I've taken. I've got uh, Avi Bahar on my left. I've got uh, Chad Finkelstein. I like to call him Big Bad Chad Finkelstein because he's really not the uh, the bruising and posing lawyer that you might expect. Uh, not, not big. The name Chad Finkelstein <laughs> would imply. And uh, Gary Prenovo, who is the president of FranNet Ontario. And... Uh, uh, you're a consultant. That's correct. But you're also uh, somebody who who helps with other franchises and and sits on the board of the CFA. There is a CFA uh, show coming up, another trade show. I was at the Franchise Expo a few weeks ago, and uh, I was I was thrilled by the response. There's about three or five thousand people at the show, looking at all kinds of different franchises. This is a much bigger deal. It's uh, the Toronto Congress Center, 650 uh, Dixon Road in Mississauga, the 22nd and the 23rd. From 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., I'm going to be there giving away uh, smoked meat samples, talking to people who are interested in buying a Kaplansky's franchise for their community. Um, and uh, come on down if you're if you're available. We are going to be giving away some tickets for the show as well. I've got six tickets to give away. And uh, uh, wait till the end of the show. We're going to we're going to um, uh, have a trivia question to give away those those tickets. So let's get back to Chad because my franchising journey really started with you and I know that there's a big legal requirement on the franchisor side, but from the franchisee perspective, um, when they say, yes, I want to buy the franchise and uh, here's my check, as the franchisor, I say, whoa, 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 whoa. Chad said, I can't accept any any uh, funds until you have two weeks with these documents to review them and review them with a lawyer. And if you're satisfied, then we can we can enter into an, an, an arrangement, right? And those documents are the, the disclosure document and the franchise agreement. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, franchise law exists because there is this inherent imbalance of power between franchisors and franchisees to start with. So in recognition of that inherent imbalance of power, there's a law that says franchisors, if you're going to be talking to franchisees, you better treat them fairly. And one of the ways to treat them fairly is by helping them to make informed investment decisions by way of giving this document called the Franchise Disclosure Document, which is intended to include all the information a franchisee would need to, to understand to make that information and do their due diligence. And the law says that a franchisor cannot require a franchisee to sign anything or pay anything until that franchisee has had at least 14 days to review those documents with lawyers and accountants, friends, family, other advisors. So then let's talk about it from the franchisee perspective. So when I present them with a disclosure document and a franchise agreement, uh, I always say I urge you to get uh, legal advice because this is a legal document and uh, reading it just about made my head explode. Uh, (laughs) Chad's laughing because he knows it's true. There was actually a particular email that I sent to him where I referred to the fact that if, if my mouth would open up, fire would come out because I was so... <laughs> the the in, documents are long. And difficult to read. And so so get professional advice, for sure. Correct, yeah. Yeah, and in fact, the Canadian Franchise Association has a list of uh, of support, mem- members who are you know, provide support services like lawyers, accountants, other advisors who can help franchisees understand what they're reading. So you don't, you don't want just any lawyer. You want somebody who's got some familiarity with franchise agreements and disclosure documents, correct? Yeah, that's right. Because a franchise, a franchise lawyer will have a sense of things that are what may be negotiable, but what may be non-negotiable, what may be an industry standard, what the types of things that can help um, set the tone for a, a you know a productive discussion with the franchisor and their lawyer. And how long have you been working with franchising yourself? Like how long has this been part of your? Uh, I guess close to ten years now. 
And is yeah. there a, are there a lot of lawyers who who have franchise experience who are qualified to do this, or is it a small handful in in, in Toronto, for example? Uh, you know, I think that there's there's a, there's a fair chunk of us in in Toronto in particular, and also elsewhere across Canada, who do practice it with with a lot of regularity. Um, and again, those people, you know, many of those people can be found on the CFA list, and they're they're really really valuable resources for both franchisors and franchisees. So, Gary, as as a as a CFA board member, is it free for a p- potential franchisee to access that list of lawyers, or do they have to belong, or how do they get access to, to those resources? They just go to the CFA website, and then uh, under the member support services, uh, so any of the... So uh, with member support, do they have to be a member to, to get no, access? No, no, it's just the, the member listing and then the support services. Got just it. go onto the website and type in lawyers. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, so that's a free resource from C- it's at CFA.com, CFA.ca. CFA.ca. And uh, um, they also have a find a franchise function as well if you're looking for different kinds of franchises. And, you know, mine is food, but it doesn't have, and it's a food show, but it doesn't have to be all about food. Uh, there are all kinds of, of different uh, businesses like your own. How did you, how did you decide to buy a, uh, a FranNet franchise, Gary? Uh, I I was a franchisor and I was leaving the franchise industry. Which one? Can you say which one? Pardon me? Who had you been with as a franchisor? It was a company called Canadian Training Development Group, sales management leadership training. And I wanted to get out of that and I'd been working with FranNet and and the the guy from Vancouver actually recruited me and said, you'd be really good at this. And that was 14 years ago. So you were using FranNet as a consultant? As a franchisor. When you were a franchisor with a training organization. So, So FranNet does what exactly? We, we help franchisors find high, highly qualified prospects, uh, franchise candidates. So um, we do that through at franchise shows or we do a lot of career transition firm seminars, um, engaging in the market to help people who say, I want to be in business for myself. I don't know what I want, don't know where to look, how to look. Um, and we help them reverse engineer their search process and then make them uh, make introductions based on their criteria and then coach them through the research. Free service, we get paid by the franchisor. So executive recruiting applied to franchise. Wow, that's very cool. And and what does a franchisor pay for? Is it a percentage of the franchise fee or? Uh, yeah, it's it's a set agreement that our head office, the franchisor, has with all the franchise the franchise concept. So it's pretty consistent across the board. Interesting. So you know, you brought up the the, the concept earlier about uh, big brands being not necessarily a better way to go. And for me, as somebody who's just starting out in franchising, I just did my very first trade show. And for me, that was a huge and wonderful test because, you know, you're talking about this for years with Chad and for years with Avi and you're putting all the pieces in place for your operations manuals and your supply chain and your branding and all the legal and accounting with with, uh, Rick at BDO and all the stuff that you have to, to do. And then you, as a franchisor, and then you finally put yourself in front of potential franchisees, and it's like that Sally Field moment from uh, from the Oscars yeah. many years ago, where they like me, they really like me, and it was it was nice. It was nice to see the the uh, the really positive response. And so now I'm really excited about this CFA show because obviously the trade shows are a good venue to um, to be able to put franchisees and franchisors together. Yeah, it, it's as a franchisor, it's your responsibility. One, it's good that they like you, but it's far more important for, for you or any franchisor to make sure that what are the critical roles that it takes your business to become successful. The people who are interested, they might have a lot of money, um, but they don't have the skills or the transferable skills to be able to run your business effectively. And that's where people get into trouble. They buy a good brand, but they don't have the skills. So it's it's what are what are 
uh, when they're going to, when people are going to the franchise show, they should be asking questions. What does the owner have to do to make this business work rather than what is your offering? Right. It's important to understand both. I think, you know, ha having highly coached potential franchisees from a franchisor perspective would be great too, because what we did at the show is we had people standing with iPads qualifying franchisees. When do you want to open one? Where do you want to open one? Will you be a hands-on operator? Um, you know, what's your, what's your... Uh, likelihood of following through with this. And I, if you weren't interested in a Kaplansky's franchise, I didn't want to like bug you about it because if you don't, if this isn't in your heart, don't do it. You know, and, and you, you really, especially the restaurant business, you really have to want to do it to, to, uh, to be successful at it. And that's why predominantly I'm looking for owner operators, but I do want to talk to you uh, about how I find qualified leads for myself, because that's part of the, uh, the name of the game in franchising. And when you're new, as I said, you know, me compared to a Subway or a McDonald's or a Tim Hortons, those are, those are blue chip companies, you know, so the, the idea of the franchisee and what they're going to expect from me will be, will be different in one case or the other. Let's talk about that when we come back for the break. It's uh, just going to be a few moments for some traffic and some other uh, official notifications. Then we'll, we'll come back with our, our panel on franchising. Avi Bahar, Chad Finkelstein, and Gary Pronovo. Let's eat! St. Kaplansky says, let's eat on In-Depth Radio. News Talk 1010. Let's and welcome back. If you have any uh, questions or comments about, about franchising yourself, if you're somebody who's always wanted to do it or you did it and had a great experience or you did not had a bad experience, we'd love to hear from you. 416-872-1010 is our phone number. The phone lines are open. And uh, you can text us as well at 71010. And uh, I'll read your text on the, on, the, on the air, especially if it's flattering. If it's unflattering, sometimes I won't. But, you know, that's just the way it goes because I'm the guy who reads the, uh, the text screen. But 416-872-1010 is our phone number if you want to talk to uh, our panel about franchising a business. It doesn't have to be a food business. But um, uh, I've got Gary Prenovo from FranNet Ontario, Chad Finkelstein, who's a lawyer and, uh, and a franchising specialist. You also do IP work like uh, intellectual property property, trademarks, those kinds of things, which are right. also very important in the franchising process. And uh, and you're my franchising lawyer, I should be full disclosure. And my my real estate guy is Avi Bahar from the Bahar Group. And, uh, you know, it's these are essentially what, what, what these three gentlemen are representing are those three stool, pieces of the, the stool of what makes a franchise successful of brand and location and operation and operator. And um, what, what, what mistakes do you see people making when they, when they get into the, uh, the franchise business, Gary? What are, what are some of the classic, uh, you know, do's, don't do's for, for people that, that, uh, um, that you've seen over the years? Oh, that's a, that can be a big list. The the biggest ones I see are, uh, you know, you you hear the you hear the the saying, "Do what you love, the money will follow." So passion, mm. people. If you build it, they will come. Yeah, but but <laughs> I love coffee. Uh, wait one second. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. I love coffee. Therefore, I'm going to go into a coffee shop. Right. I love golf. I'm going to open up a golf store. Well, they need to take a step back. And what is the owner doing to drive that business? And how well can they do it? Because if you're running a coffee shop, you're not, you know, you or, or as you in the food business, you're not spending a lot of time uh, working with the food. You're running all the aspects of the business. So biggest mistake is um, misalignment of skills with passion. They have to love the work. They have to have belief in the value proposition of the product or service. That's mistake number one. Uh, mistake number two. So for example, somebody who, who loves the coffee shop business, but never been in the coffee shop business, you might suggest that they at least get a part-time job working in a coffee shop and then they'll know. Yeah. If I haven't managed transient staff or I haven't mm -hmm. managed inventory, all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, number two, sorry. Uh, number two would be um, the, uh, as I alluded to earlier on, I have to be part of a big system. Uh, no, you want a system that works. So um, buying a system, they, they, they find out that it's a good system, but they haven't found out it's a good system for them. In other words, they haven't done enough research talking to existing franchisees, talking to the market, and they, they, they go on the confidence of a small group of people not looking at themselves outward. How well can I do this? What does it take to run it? What are the, what are the, the painful points of this business? Can I live with them? Hmm. I guess that's a sense of being realistic about about the the future, and and you know the future is never certain. There's always there's always risk and there's there's reward. And so as somebody who's new to the to the industry, you know we're talking about this big brand idea earlier too. That that uh, people think that there's safety in Subway. You know there's safety in brands that have been around for a long time, and that taking a chance on a smaller brand might be higher risk for them. But then there's there's the reward of being able to you know, buy more franchises and grow with that brand as well. Uh, so, Chad, you sent me an email, I think, yesterday about a new change in the laws here in Ontario that um, that you can't sell a franchise to somebody with an unspecific uh, retail location. Yeah, there was, uh, there was a court decision recently in Ontario that clarified uh, or sought to clarify what, you know, what the law that already exists. And so we were talking earlier about disclosure documents. Um, franchisors uh, need to include in those disclosure documents everything that's considered a material fact to the franchisee. So oftentimes a franchisor will include will have a, a template disclosure document that may not describe much about or anything about the specific location the franchisee is going to buy because there's not one known at that time. So what this court decision had said is that uh, before the franchisee can sign any agreement or pay anything, at some point they need to be disclosed uh, by the franchisor with information about the location, about the lease, about the specific construction cost, provided that's um, information that the franchisor actually has. So to put that into really practical terms, if somebody wanted to buy a Kaplansky's franchise, in the past I could have taken $35,000 as a franchise fee, had them sign the documents that, that you need them to sign, and then we call Avi Bahar to go look for a space. Now, real estate has to get included far earlier on. Now, is it a specific location like street address or is it an area? Like how specific do you have to be when you're finding that location before signing the agreements? So I'm going to start by giving the, the lawyer's answer, which is it, it depends. Okay. Because um, <laughs> it, it, well, you're a lawyer, yeah. that's what you do. Right. <laughs> it's my job to do the worrying. And so uh, for for a franchisor who I would say uh, is subletting their location to the franchisee or a franchisor who goes out on their own and finds the location, negotiates the lease, and then gets the franchisee to sign the lease or the franchisor who provides terms turnkey construction costs in those sorry turnkey construction services in those instances that's where this court decision is now saying well franchisor you've got all that information the franchisee needs to know all of it before they commit themselves to this opportunity if you're a franchise system who um, permits franchisees or wants franchisees to go out and do all of that themselves and then the franchisor provides other important support services then these new disclosure obligations aren't necessarily triggered Interesting. So, uh, so, so the the uh, the need to find a space isn't in every single case. The need to disclose a site, you mean? Or if I do, I have to, I still have to find a location before somebody signs. Uh, you know, I know that uh, you know one of the things that that I think you've told franchisees is that you're going to help them find locations, but they're responsible for you know being on the lease in most cases themselves. Right. So if you know if if you had driven the whole process, if you had helped them find the lease, if you had negotiated a lease on their behalf, you may have a uh, a need 
I, mean, I don't want to say anything that's going to incriminate you. <laughs> dealing Please, with your thank you. By the way, I really appreciate Here's everything you're going to do wrong. Not incriminated yeah. by you. Um, but yeah, there may be a need for you to give some site-specific information about that location before a franchisee commits themselves to anything. Great. And and so so knowing that that what you do, Avi, is going to become of you know greater importance earlier on in the process, um, you know. There's a certain black magic around around real estate. The space that I took on College Street, the corner of College in Brunswick, was a white elephant. The three previous concepts all failed. It's cursed. We heard that word a lot. And I guess knowing whether some concept will work in some location, how how much of it is science and how much of it is art from your perspective of knowing that this concept could work in that in that particular location? It's really um, a lot of both. I mean, there is a science, there are demographics and there's traffic patterns and, and there's understanding the location. And then there's what we call the gut instinct element of real estate. And that's understanding uh, an area, a trade node, uh, a community, and understanding the retail or the restaurant market or whatever market you're in uh, and merging those lines of thinking together. I mean, we really do all of that. And so part of it is artistic, part of it is certainly scientific. And when those two things come together, uh, good things tend to happen. Can you think of places where you saw a concept go into a space and then it didn't work and you were completely shocked? Well, I'll, I'll give a different type of an example. You know, we've done all kinds of traffic counts, including pedestrian traffic counts. And we've seen uh, locations where uh, it's the same exact intersection, but a concept will do a lot better on the west side of the street as opposed to the east side of the street. And that solely has to do with uh, traffic patterns. There might be a university uh, on one side of the street and you're really losing a lot of traffic because uh, people have to cross a signalized intersection. Uh, there's walk times, there's drive times. So uh, all of this factors into our thinking. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think people people see what's in front of them. They see the uh, the signs on windows of stores. They see listings on Kijiji or, or on, on uh, different websites. And uh, the actual reality of that location, again, sunny side, east side, west side, AM side, PM side. These are all, um, you know, the demographics, the growth patterns and what's expected. These are things that a lot of us who aren't in the industry can't really know. And so we rely on you to be able to keep yourself educated and have those better and strong instincts with stuff. And uh, how do people, Bahar Group, uh, give us a, a website or an email address that people could, if they wanted to talk to you about uh, finding real estate? We'd welcome anyone's inquiries. Um, you can contact us through our website, which is uh, thebahargroup.com, T-H-E-B-E-H-A-R group.com. And we'd be happy to speak with you, whether you're looking to start a new business, get involved in franchising or looking for locations, or just want general advice about uh, the real estate market in Canada or North America. And just to, just to give you a little plug, you know, one of the things that I like about you is in, in particular is that you have relationships with landlords. And so you'll know about stuff that's going to come up on the market, stuff that's going to be happening. And to have those kinds of relationships at play for me as a franchisor is really a, a powerful thing. So you sort of help me punch you outside my weight class, as they say. And, and that, you know, for a, for a small guy to have the kind of advice that I can get from you and from Chad and from from somebody like Gary as well, really. I mean, you know, Gary and I don't have a relationship, but but that's what you offer. So, and we actually have to go to break. So we'll we'll, we'll pick that up when we come back from the break. We'll just give me uh, a few minutes to let our, our, our sponsors have their say, and then uh, some traffic, and then we'll we'll wrap this up uh, uh, in a few moments. Let's eat. You're listening to Let's Eat with host Zane Kaplansky on News Talk 1010. Let's eat. 
And welcome back to the show. I am Zane Kaplansky. This is Let's Eat every Saturday on News Talk 1010. And we're uh, in our final segment talking about franchising. And we, we haven't actually even been that specific about franchising food, although it is a food show. We've tried to keep it more generally uh, franchise-based. I've got Avi Bahar from the Bahar Group, who's been talking about real estate and the importance of real estate in the franchise uh, mix. Chad Finkelstein, who is a lawyer at uh, Dale and Lessman. And uh, he's my franchise lawyer and uh, somebody who specializes. You work for both franchisees and franchisors, correct? Uh, primarily franchisors. But you have worked for franchisees? We do work with some franchisees. Good. And uh, so you, you cover off both sides of the of the uh, equation. And uh, uh, Gary Prenovo from FranNet Ontario. And Gary also sits on the board of the CFA. There's a CFA, Canadian Franchise Association trade show coming up in a couple of weeks. Kaplanskis will be there. Uh, and we, we start off at the top of the show talking about some of the important importance of the franchisee and the the franchise partner and the, the kind of people that I should be looking for who are going to be successful in a Kaplansky store. And we're talking during the break a little bit, Gary, about how I connect with those people and how those folks find me. And uh, why don't you give me some advice on on the best way to to connect with the right kinds of uh, owner operators? Well, um, so, so it looks, I, I would say, look at what you need um, from a skill set. So um, how large a staff do you have? Uh, what what type of um, operations are required to manage? So reverse engineer your roles and then look for um, experience that people have had. Not that, hey, I've had this experience. It's I've excelled at this. I'm really good at this. And, and your training, your systems, your processes bridge that gap. So it's not necessarily direct industry experience. It's transferable leverage of experience that you can then they, it's their job to convince you that it, they can run your system versus your job to convince them, hey, this is a good franchise. You know it's well, a good business. Let's be really specific. If I have somebody come to me who's a retired teacher, for example, and they've always wanted to get into the restaurant business, but they've got no restaurant experience, should I be... I'm sorry, I'm looking for people with restaurant experience, or is it possible to not, not have any restaurant experience and still be somebody who'd be a good franchisee? Now I'm going to sound like a lawyer because I'm going to say <laughs> it depends. <laughs> um, Great. That's what we need, more lawyers. I'm just kidding. So, I'm just so, kidding. I love lawyers. Uh, teachers, what is the skill set that teachers bring to the table? If you're if you're working with a lot of um, teenagers as, as part-time staff, they know how to work with them. They know how to motivate them. They know how to communicate with them. If, on the other hand, you're working with the 20-something and the, you know, who is it that you're leveraging? So it might be that that teacher doesn't have experience. Now, what did they do? Did they just teach and they didn't do any extracurricular activities, manage sports teams or anything? So look at the whole picture. Right. And do you have those kinds of of uh, analyses of, of how you... When people come to you and they say, I'm interested in buying a franchise, but I don't know which one. And you then try and match them up with yeah, franchisors. We, That's what you do. We correct? do. We do personality assessment. We do skills inventory. We do financial risk assessment. And then what are financial and lifestyle goals? doesn't matter how good a business is. If that business can't take a client to their financial and lifestyle goals, it's not going to be a happy place. And how many people typically in a year would you help successfully match up? We will, between 30 and 50 people that we will place and we will work with hundreds to get to that. And what are, what are some of the keys to the ones that you've seen be successful? Uh, we're, we're across all industries. Uh, so it, it's really, I, I think the, the in level of engagement, I'm comfortable. I, I have a certain level of, of outbound um, 
communication capability. So the introvert, if if they don't have a biz, if they don't have people that they can hire to work with staff, um, that's a very difficult component. So it's it's got to be. I, I'm okay to engage the market. I'm I'm good with managing people. I understand how to get customers. If it's outbound selling, I got to be that hunter. If it's or am I a hunter farmer? So. Um, who is the customer? Uh, Avi was talking about before the the real estate. What is the requirements of the business? Well, same thing here. Well, who is the ideal customer, and how well can you go and engage to get that customer? It's interesting, you know. And from from my perspective, again, the reason that I chose to a franchising instead of corporate was because your franchisee becomes emotionally, financially, and in every other way invested in the business. A manager manages when they're on the clock, and when they're not on the clock, they're no longer working for you. Whereas when you're an owner. This is your life. There's a Pearl Vision study from um, the early 2000s where 400 and something managers went to become owners uh, through a leverage buyout. Those stores did over 36% better the following year with the same manager, wow. same inventory, same everything other than now they were owners. Interesting. Owner-operated businesses. And you see like WestJet also, you know, as part of their... Um, advertising campaigns talk about the owner being an owner makes a difference. And I believe that that's true. And that... Um, you know, we're trying to uh, break down everything that, that is part of what Kaplansky's is so that we can teach franchisees how to do those things. And then all the other stuff that you were talking about too, how to, how to go out and get business, how to market the business. And, and you better believe that when we first opened, uh, marketing is a big part of what you do. And how do you get the kinds of people in the restaurant who you want to be there? You know, what, what Avi does is make sure that those people live nearby. And that that um, that there's they're accessible to you, whether they're passing by on the way to work or school or somebody that you can reach who lives in the community. And uh, and you know, marketing is is a um, is an, an extremely important part. And I think from a franchisee's perspective, you're kind of hoping that the franchisor will help you with that too. That there's there's uh, support that you're going to get from. So what what does a good franchisor do as far as supporting their franchisees, Gary? And what kind of advice can you give me as somebody who's going to need to be able to hold a lot of hands and 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 uh, especially in the earliest days? You know, the the the, the next store that opens is only store number five. So you know, we're learning a lot as we go. In uh, one of my other businesses, my business partner there has a saying: We don't want baby robins. What does that mean? The franchisee, a lot of franchisees, when they buy a franchise, they expect the franchisor to give them that next worm and constantly give them the worm. It's the franchisor's job to empower that franchisee to become a successful individual um, through driving the systems and processes. So if they're waiting for you to do all your work, they're the wrong candidate for you. Like, Interesting. They've got to be willing to do what it takes to I engage. don't like baby Robins. Yeah. I like that. That's a very, that's a, that's a great way of thinking of it, and and uh, and I really appreciate that. So, where do you find a lot of the people uh, of the thirty or fifty that that you placed last year? Um, is there a is there anything typical about the ones that are successful of where they come from, or the businesses that they were in, or the the franchises the franchises that they bought? Do you see common denominators? Um, not really, because there's so many different um, different ranges of types of businesses that they come into. It's it's I've made the decision I'm going to be in business for myself. Now I have to define which one. That's the biggest the biggest hurdle that they have to. I'm I'm going to break away from that corporate false perception that it's safer in corporate than it is in Canada. We are than in franchising. We there's lots of statistics that show that's not the case. So I, now I'm going to be in business for myself. Now I've got to find out what's the right vehicle. 
a, a business, whether it's a franchise or not, is a vehicle to get me from point A to in time to point B in time, I've still got to drive the vehicle and I've still got to enjoy the ride. Interesting. And uh, and then how do people from the from the franchisees perspective, uh, is there like work in the industry, work for the company? Is there a try before you buy sort of mentality that people have or get experiences with that company as much as possible? Rarely. Uh, mm. The franchisors don't want somebody to try it out. I'm, I'm giving you my trade secrets. You're coming into the system. So the research ahead of time by both sides, mutual evaluation. Um, is where they should be able to take it to a point. And there's, uh, we'll give you snippets, but try before you buy. Typically, I don't see working. Interesting. And uh, um, Avi, when it comes to when it comes to the the changes in the laws that we've we've experienced and and helping people find location, 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 is there um, is there one piece of advice or something that that you tell people? Uh, always avoid, always look for? Is it a corner location? Is it sunny side of the street? Is it, is it near a school? Is there, is there like obvious do's and don't do's? I mean, relative to location, you know, there really isn't. Every instance is different and every, um, every situation needs to be evaluated on its own merits. And that's, you know, what we do. We're here to help. I think in terms of the changes of, of laws, you know, it doesn't really uh, influence what we do. We get involved sort of at the earliest possible stages of uh, building relationships, cultivating relationships, inventorying uh, available opportunities or future opportunities, and continuing to build what we call a matrix. That's what we use at the Bahar Group. It's a matrix of site opportunities that could work for any given business or any given industry. And we're always tracking that and updating that. And always happy to share that with franchisors, franchisees, so that there is an inventory. Awesome. Chad Finkelstein, uh, you know, one of the, one of the um, things that somebody once said to me was that, that it's not a matter of if or when there will be legal issues between a franchisor and a franchisee. And are there, are there, I, I didn't say that. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to pin that one on you, but uh, that, that uh, it's, it's a, a relationship that, is is fraught with power imbalances and information imbalances and and uh, and you want to make sure that uh, the relationship is as strong as possible. Is there is there any advice that you give a franchisee before you sign a document? You always have to uh, that I give to a franchisee. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess from a franchisee's perspective, and and this may be truer when dealing with a, a new or emerging franchisor is that, you know, I could open up um, Chad's Deli or I could open up a Kaplansky's Deli. And uh, if I'm going to be spending the money that's involved in becoming a franchisee, I better be very clear on what I'm getting in exchange for that money. You know, there's a lot of effort that goes into starting a business either way, whether you're attached to a known brand or not. If you're going to be spending the money to be attached to a known brand, then make sure that you understand what support you're going to be given that justifies those fees you're going to be paying. Perfect. All three of you actually just said the same thing, which was communication really is the key. And uh, and one great place to do that is the Franchise Show, October 22nd and 23rd at the Congress Center, 650 Dixon Road in Mississauga. You want to email Tony Tedesco uh, or, or call us at 416-872-1010. Location, location, and what? is the third element that's the most important uh, aspect of uh, real estate. You can get six, uh, uh, six um, uh, passes to the show. Avi Bahar, Chad Finkelstein, Gary Prenovo, thank you so much for coming into the show today. Thank you for having us. Thank You're you. welcome. Ted Walsh is up next. Mike Trutler, Tony Tedesco, thanks for putting on a great show. We'll see you next week. Yeah.